When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near the cross, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. That's John 19, verses 26 to 27, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. Catholics believe that from the cross, Jesus gave his mother in a special way to all disciples, not only to John, and many have a really strong devotion to Mary because of it. But she can be a big stumbling block to Protestants, and a lot of times, I count myself among them, converts can find that it takes time to warm up to her as mother. My guest today is one of them also, but in time, she came to love Mary not only as mother, but also as the seat of wisdom, which is one of her many titles. So Heidi Saxton has been with us before. She told us how scripture helped her to find healing from bitterness and old wounds. And Heidi worked with me as senior product project editor and also one of the main contributors to the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible. She's been in Catholic publishing for over 20 years as an editor and also an author. And she has a real heart for Catholic moms, particularly those whose children have special needs. Heidi, welcome to the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for including me in your beautiful podcast again. I'm really looking forward to talking with you about one of my very favorite subjects, which is Mary. Yes. Well, like me, you're an adult convert to the Catholic Church. Tell us about your family growing up. Sure. Well, you know, I was raised in the evangelical tradition, and so which meant that we saw Mary exactly once a year at Christmas time, <laughs> sitting you know, quietly by the little manger where Jesus was laying and just welcoming and singing the silent night. That was my image of Mary. Beyond that, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with her. And then as I started exploring the Catholic Church, I found myself, as every time the director would talk with me about Mary and talk about the rosary, I found myself just like clenching on the inside, mm. thinking, you know, this is just out of order. You know, we should be focused on Jesus. Jesus is the reason that you know, he's the one who's leading me here. And one day she turned to me and she says, you know, Heidi, we believe that Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law. Isn't that right? I said, yes, of course. And one of the Ten Commandments, that would include the Ten Commandments, yes, which say, honor your father and your mother. I'm like, yeah, that's true. It does. She says, well, don't you think that if Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law at that point, that he would also have perfectly fulfilled it on that one, that he would honor his mother, not only while he was here on earth, but all the rest for, for all eternity because of the role she played in his life. And I thought about it, and I had to agree mm. that this is something that we need to seriously consider. And if we want to be like Jesus, that we need to honor not only our own parents, but also his parents as well. And that got me started in looking towards who is this Mary and what does she have to do with me? And that sent me on a journey that's lasted all the way up until now. And it's been interesting to see how time after time, as I have opened the door a little bit more and you know, cracked the window a little bit open, she has come back and loved me. Not unlike the time I experienced with my children when we first started fostering and they would run away from praying me so often and then over time, we would like lure them closer to us and 
they would gradually come to get more comfortable with us and sit in our laps, but it took time. Hmm. And for many of us, it takes time, you know? I love that picture because, you know, some kids just warm up right away. And I think especially in that case that you describe with foster children, maybe it does take time and we are foster children, <laughs> you know, as converts. And I think you actually wrote about that little story in a, a little book that you wrote a long time ago. It's called Behold Your Mother, Mary's Stories and Reflections from a Catholic Convert. And I, I really enjoyed kind of looking through that because you've got I don't know, almost 50 maybe reflections on various scenes of Mary's life drawn from scripture, drawn from tradition. And then you also have reflected on a lot of the common titles that she's given. And just really interesting. You wrote little poems about them and showed some lovely meditations on Mary as your mother, which probably I'm assuming reflected the way you grew in relationship with her over time. I wonder if you could just... Talk about some of those scriptures about Mary, because we do see her other than at the manger. Did you get deeper insights into her reflecting on those as a Catholic? I think so. I think when I started thinking about what the incarnation truly is, how Mary gave Jesus his human face, you know, the, the, the curve of his jaw, the color of his eyes, mm. all of those things had to have come from Mary. Mm -hmm. Because God is spirit. He has no body, right? But she gave Jesus his body. So everything, there's one verse in scripture that says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Mm. He grew. He didn't come to earth fully formed in those things. And so how did he grow? How did he come to find those things? By following his mother, right? Yeah. He followed his mother and his father around the house. So all those beautiful parables of Jesus, you know, as she worked at the sewing and the planting and the baking and the cleaning. Out of those came the beautiful parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a lost coin, you know, the woman who sweeps until she finds it. Or, you know, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth into an old garment. Or a farmer went to sow some seeds. How often did they see her planting in the garden? And did that wisdom become multiplied mm. in the mind, in his divine mind to see the spiritual truths behind this simple work? That she was doing. And we know she knew scripture, of course. You know, she was able to, her Magnificat was an example of somebody who had known God's word and was familiar with the God's word. But when Jesus, from the time he was a little boy, followed his mother around, she was truly the seat of wisdom because she supported that growth and that understanding that he came through his divine mind just to understanding the world. So Heidi, interestingly, you used a title of Mary that I uh, haven't been really familiar with until more recently, the title being Seat of Wisdom. Where does that title come from? That's a great question. Um, as far as I know, this topic or the title phrase, Seat of Wisdom, can be traced back to the 11th century. So it's, it's, not, it's within our tradition, without within the scriptures. And it's from the Litany of Loreto in which Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, as 1 Corinthians one twenty four, was held from his infancy. As his mother, Mary had a front row seat to wisdom itself, who is Jesus. We, we refer to this back in Sirach, the chapter 24. There is a chapter, the praise of wisdom. And interestingly enough, wisdom is always referred to as a she, 
But wisdom is not Mary. Wisdom is always Jesus and the Holy Spirit who, who leads us to all wisdom. We talked about earlier about Jesus growing in wisdom. But as the seat, Mary helped Jesus to grow. And she herself grew in wisdom through the pondering. Many verses in scripture talk about how Mary pondered these things in her heart. And she had a front row seat to the growth of her son and the way that he continued to grow in wisdom. And she could see him and his teachings and understand these great mysteries become because she was such close proximity to them. She was able to receive them because her heart was open to these things of God. So, so Mary's the seat, not the seed. I just want to be right. clear, the seat, S-E-A-T of wisdom. And when you see that pictured in sacred art, you'll see Mary sitting down. Sometimes she's on a throne and she has Jesus sitting on her lap. And there's mm-hmm. this idea, if, if Jesus is wisdom and she carried him in her womb and on her lap as he was a child, you know, then she's the seat of wisdom. And I love that you brought out the fact that in in Jesus's early years, you know, she's she has him, maybe he's sitting on her lap, she's nurturing him, he's becoming wise under her motherhood. And there's a sense that under her motherhood, we also can gain wisdom, both by following her example and also by asking her aid, you know, as we That's grow right. in the wisdom of the Lord. That's right. And returning again and again to her son, who is wisdom itself, and moving back and, and carrying him within us when we receive him in the Eucharist, when we read his word, we re- read his teachings, we are able to carry that forward to the rest of the world who so badly needs it. I want to look at some of those other images of Mary that we see in scripture because they're so interesting. Um, the first one being the Geberah, the queen mother. And the fact that we see in the Old Testament that there was this role of queen mother. You know, I think one of the things we get confused about as ex-Protestants is, you know, Mary, queen of heaven. How can she be the queen? We think that that's equal to the king somehow. And do you want to talk a little bit about that, about what the Geburah is? Sure. Well, we know, let's we think about, for example, King Solomon, who was the wisest king who ever lived, Right. And he had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wives, and but he only had one mother, right? Bathsheba was his mother, and he loved her, and he gave her a place of honor, and that was went down in history as that role of queen mother, who would be the king's advisor, though his trusted confidant, and somebody who he would listen to when they asked him for something, he listened to them, um, and so. In, in many ways, because Jesus is the king of kings and he is ascended back into heaven and he brought Mary with him and the assumption and it, the last of the mysteries of the rosary is Mary is crowned queen of heaven and earth, not simply because she was the mother of Jesus. And this was the final way that he honored her as his mother here on earth. So if you look at, you know, she is the queen of the angels, of the patriarchs, of the prophets, all of this queen of all the saints. It was really interesting. She, she still continues to be in her heart of heart, that humble maiden. You know, this is not a position of ego or a position of, it is a role of great privilege, but it's not something that she would take great pride in. 
it's something that she uses to pray for her children here on earth. As you said at the beginning, Jesus gave her to all of us from the cross, right? And so she continues to pray for all of us, her daughters and her sons. And so all of us, as her daughters and sons, can anticipate that we're going to follow in her footsteps. The way that she is now is the way that we are going to become in glory. When we lay aside all the weaknesses and imperfections that we have, she did not have, but we have. We're going to be purified of those and we're going to be able to glory in the, among the hosts of heaven and take our place there. So when I think of the queen of heaven, I see of this bright and shining light that was raised up because of her yes, because of her willingness to say yes to God's plan. And that is something that we can all do in our own small way. And we share in, in Christ as king. You know, we share in that kingship and we also will have crowns in heaven. And she is the first one who received that. Yes. But I love thinking of just the role of a beloved mother. You know, if you were trying to get to know somebody who was really famous or anybody who you didn't know very well, I mean, what better way to get to know them than to go through his mother? Right? Yeah. <laughs> she can tell you all kinds of things about him, but she's also in kind of a, a, she has his ear in a particular way. So one of the main roles she has is intercessor. And that's by yes. virtue of being the queen mother of the king, that she can go to him and take our, take our needs, our intentions to him and bring them to his ear. Right. I really love how it goes from beginning, from Genesis, where she is the new Eve. You know, she is the one who fulfills that promise just to defeat Satan because of her, her son, her seed would step on his head. And all the way through to Revelation, when she is the woman clothed with the sun. And I just really like to encourage your readers, if they haven't already read your essay on the woman clothed with the sun, crowned first among the saints on page 1909 on the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible. It's really got a beautiful study that you can do to study all the women in who led up to Mary's role in salvation history. I'm glad you brought up that bit about Mary as the new Eve, because that was one of the compelling things to me. You know, as someone who previously just looked at scripture, then when I became Catholic, to have scripture opened up to me in a new way to see these bookends that you're talking about. So just to make that clear, at the beginning of the Bible, we have, you know, Adam and Eve and the serpent, you know, causing them to lose their trust in the in the Father. And then after the fall, God's prophecy or whatever, that one day the woman and her seed would conquer, basically, the devil and his seed. And so there's that prophecy. And then at the very end of scripture, we've got revelation. We find those, those same characters, again, if you want to call them characters, they're kind of larger than life. We've got the woman clothed with her son, with the son. She's laboring to deliver a child who's destined to rule. So there's this woman in her seed who's appearing and they're facing a dragon who wants to eat the child, who wants to devour the child. So it's a clear reflection of of Mary and Jesus, but also of that woman in her seed that's prophesied in Genesis. And we see Mary as the fulfillment of that, also as a picture of Israel being kind of the mother of the church. But it Revelation 12 calls that woman the mother of those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. 
So here again, in addition to John's gospel, is the idea that she is our mother too. You know, she's, she, yes, she's Jesus's mother, but we are his brothers and sisters. We are part of his body. She is our mother also, particularly if we're disciples of his who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to him. So I love that way, as you said, it kind of brings it full circle and brings it home to me that she is our mother too, who we can approach to ask to pray for us, to ask for wisdom, to help us develop that wisdom, which is in her son. She always points us to Jesus. She's not taking it all to herself. So Heidi, you know, the more I study scripture, I love seeing how Mary's reflected in scripture and so on. But I have to say, as a Catholic, I also love seeing how she is just a mother in the day-to-day for all of us. And that's something that's been one of the kind of delights of getting to know Jesus as a Catholic and getting to know his mother. And I wonder if you have any other stories that you would like to share of what Mary has meant to you or how you've come to know her. Anything you'd like to share with those who are listening? You know, Sarah, we were talking a little bit before the program about some of the ways, uh, some of the ways that my motherhood has been colored by Mary. I came across, I became a mother in a little unconventional way. We adopted our children from foster care. And in many ways, my daughter especially is totally unlike me. She is a wild child. She colors her hair every color of the rainbow. <laughs> she longs for the day when she can get tattoos. She just is somebody who just has, you know, she has special issues and, and special areas of brokenness that are continuing to heal. And sometimes when I look at her, I just, I love her so much and I worry for her so much. And I realize that must be how Mary looks at each of us at times, you know? Mm. When I look at my daughter, I love her. And yet there isn't that familiarity that I, I don't always understand her because her life experience and her early experiences were so much different from mine. I never carried her physically in my womb. Mm-hmm. And yet, I love her because I've walked with her day by day by day by day and tried to teach her things and tried to help her grow up to be the woman that God created her to be. And I think our Blessed Mother must also look at me like that, must look at all of us like that at times. And she she must just scratch her head and wonder how we got to where we are now. But she doesn't reject us. She doesn't yell at us. Unlike me, I yelled so often at my daughter. (laughs) She just ponders. She continues to ponder and continues to love and continues to share her wisdom with us. One of my favorite images of Mary is that mantle. Some of my Catholic sisters have talked to me about how, Mary, throw your mantle around this person or throw Mm. your mantle around that situation. And I think that Mary's mantle must be as big as the world sometimes because there is just so much hurt and so much woundedness that needs her loving attention. And so that mantle of beauty and goodness and grace and wisdom, we can just call out when we need it. Mary, I need you. Please help me. Please help me with my children. I don't understand. I don't know how to help them. I don't know how to reach them. Mary, please help me. I've gotten myself in this predicament. I don't know how to get out. Mary, please help me. This question that I'm being asked is so hard and I don't know what to say. 
she is here and she is willing to give us her wisdom and she is willing to give us her intercession and she is willing to give us the many graces that flow from the throne of God. Just be to be that conduit and that channel of grace for us if we will ask her because she is human. She understands that human experience. She understands when she sees us crying in the shower. Mm-hmm. And she sees us, she understands when she sees us wide awake in the middle of the night, just grappling with whatever is on our mind. And we can trust her, Mary, seat of wisdom, come and shed your grace on us through that grace that comes directly from the throne of God. And we can be confident that she is awake and she is listening and she loves us too. And isn't that a wonderful thing to know? It is very beautiful. And I just have to ask, this is kind of a difficult question. Those things are also true of Jesus. And so why would we, why would we not just go straight to him? She is a woman. She understands the heart of a woman. She understands what it's like to wait. And she understands what it's like to be helpless. And yes, Jesus understands these things, but it's different when you're a woman and a mother and a wife and looking on in that more hidden way that we have as women. And that more, there's a, a kind of weakness and a kind of hiddenness. I don't know other, any other word for it. How much of Mary's life, we see her only seven times in the scriptures, but how much of her life was there that we don't get to see? It's hidden. And so much of our lives are also hidden. And so she relates to that. She understands that. And that is her strength. And that is why we can trust her to go to her. That's not to say we don't go to Jesus. Of course we go to Jesus. Mary always brings us to her son, you know. But when we really need somebody and we just need a confidant, Mary is the one we can turn to. Well, it makes me think of my mother, who I can always turn to. And it's not wrong for me to go to my mother when I need prayer. And she takes me to Jesus. And it's the same thing. And not everybody's fortunate enough to have a mother, an earthly mother, who will do that. So it's wonderful that that we all share, you know, we can be daughters of Mary as well. So I've heard you say before that your own mother had difficulty with you going to Mary. Did she always have a hard time with that? Oh, she really, really did. I would. I think when I wrote that little book, uh, it was first published by Loyola called With Mary and Prayer was the original title of the book. And she she wouldn't even finish reading it because even though they were just scriptural reflections, she just so resented the fact that I looked at anybody other than her. And she was, of course, really unhappy with me when I became Catholic in the first place. And she prayed and prayed. She had my name taped to the bulletin board for two years that I would leave this Catholic Church, and I would come back and and embrace my spiritual heritage. It wasn't until she became ill, it's when she was in her late 70s and early 80s, and she contracted a a form of dementia where my my father was not able to take care of her, and we wound up bringing her into our home. And for over a year, she went with us to church because she wanted to go to church, and that is where we went to church. And for a full year, she sat in the pew and listened to the readings proclaimed and didn't go forward to receive communion, of course, but just sat there and listened. And after a year, she stood up in the middle of Mass and said that she wanted to join our church now, which hmm. I thought was, 
that was there's that was nothing short of a miracle. That was nothing short of the Holy Spirit working in her heart. And I took her to see the pastor later. And he said, "Well, take her home and train her. You've got a master's in theology. <laughs> put it to good use." <laughs> and so every night we would go home, and I would pray with her the rosary, and I would reteach her about Mary. She wanted to hear all about Mary mm. because that was the one place that she just didn't understand. And now, you know, now her, as gradually her, her mind became darker and it became harder for her to hold on to things. But she, after that year, she did, in fact, become Catholic. And it was such a healing time for us that we could talk about Mary together and we could see how Mary loved her. And she needed that reassurance of love with the way that her mind was. She needed to know that Mary was praying for her mm. and she needed to know that that she could trust Mary to bring her to the throne of God and that Mary had not forgotten her where she was. Uh, so much of what she had grew up with was being stripped away from her piece by piece. But in this new gift that she had received in the Catholic Church and in the sacraments, she was able to hold tight to her faith, that it was a beautiful thing. Mm. So I'm really grateful to Mary for visiting my mom and to continuing to pray for that wayward daughter and it took her until she was 83. But now her, her faith is as live and as vital as ever. And it's a beautiful thing. Mm, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, I just, sir. I love this sort of dual image of Mary as seed of wisdom. And it, she, she's both somebody we go, can go to, but she's also this model of discipleship, of pondering the word of God, of allowing it to take flesh within us. And we can go to her as a model, but we can also go to her as our mother and beautiful gift that she is to us from our Lord. So before we wrap this up, Heidi, uh, do you have a favorite verse that we can, you can share with us that we can think about a little bit and then maybe pray with? Sure. Uh, there's, it's actually right in the middle of the Magnificat mm. is a verse that stuck with me today. I was reading in verse 53, it says, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. So he has filled the hungry with good things. How many of us actually know what it is to hunger for God's word? How many know what it is to hunger for an answer or hunger for sense of God's spirit or hunger for a sense of Mary's presence with us? This is something that She's describing in a really beautiful way there. And I just wanted to reassure my sisters who are listening that Mary is there to feed you just like she fed Jesus when he was little. She went and she gave him every good thing that he needed to go strong. And if we turn to her, she will also lead us where we need to go to receive the riches and the goodness and the bountiful feast that is there for us if we are only there and we are wise enough to be hungry enough to ask. Oh, beautiful. I would like to pray that whole thing. You know, those words of Mary in the Magnificat, which is in Luke chapter one, also just woven with so many threads of scripture from the Old Testament because she had made that part of her meditation and it had become so much a part of her that it was coming out in her prayer. So if you want to turn to that, it's in Luke one starting in verse 46. Page 1564. Oh, in the Living the Word Catholic <laughs> Women's Bible. Very good. 
Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to receive your word. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly estate of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his posterity forever. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for this wisdom from your mother, Jesus. We thank you for all of your word, for the life and the strength that it brings us. And we ask that you will open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder, as Mary did, what you say to us in Scripture. Give us the grace that we need to love and live your word in our daily lives through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. And then I'll just pray that, and I think this comes from that litany of Loretta. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech thee, O Lord God, that we, your servants, may enjoy perpetual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, may be delivered from present sorrow and obtain eternal joy through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. It's been wonderful talking with you today. And I appreciate your sharing your love of Mary and the way that you have come to know her. Is there anything you'd like to share before we close? Just thank you so much for including me. And if you are ever in a place where you are feeling that you need some special prayer, additional prayer, additional support, I'd like to encourage you to take a look at the prayer cast, which is going to be offered through catholicmom.com, which is the next big project that I'm working on. So Prayercast is a way we're all gathering together and supporting other Catholic moms. So, Oh, very nice. And where yeah. can people reach you? You have a, a website or? Sure, you can reach me at Heidi Hessack. No, I'm sorry. It's HeidiSaxton.com. HeidiSaxton.com. I will write Life that. Life on the World. That's right. Yep. I'm sorry. What was the name of it? It's called Life on the World. Life on the Road Less Traveled. Life on the Road yes. Less Traveled. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you also for all that you do in Catholic publishing to bring wonderful books and authors to the attention of, of others. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been the Living the Word Bible Podcast. And I thank you all for listening. Join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. And you can also join our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible. And look for the question this week. I think I'll be asking maybe what is your favorite title of Mary? How has she become really real to you, either through a passage of scripture or through one of these titles that she has? I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to get a copy of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible or the brand new companion journal, they're available to you for a special price all, all this year for $5 off of each and free shipping. Just go to Ave Maria Press and use the promo code BiblePodcast, all one word. 
and God bless you as you read His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.